Yeah, this is my life. I'm done trying to convince people I'm real. Sleep, never retreat. Welcome to the Road to the Trials podcast presented by Koros Watches, where we take an insider's look into the training and racing of some of America's best runners as they prepare for the Olympic trials in June. And in today's episode, we have... Basically, two two um, recap episodes with not two recap episodes, two recap conversations with Abe Alvarado and Olivia Baker, who competed in the Texas relays this past weekend. They both competed in the 800 meters. Uh, that's important to know because Olivia will be competing in the 400 meters. Uh, earlier next month. So she's kind of going back and forth between uh, with Abe being an 800 meter specialist. I couldn't wait to talk to them. This is a huge competition right this race is a big deal every single year and it was a big deal this year as well if you want to go back and take a look at the highlights or just the the live streams they're still available over on espn plus all three days go check them out uh both olivia and abe were in some really really competitive races both of them end up finishing second and i was excited to talk to them um they were kind of of two minds they both knew this was an early season race and as you'll hear, they both had, you know, they have, have bigger goals than what this race turned out to be. But there also were some factors in this race that led to all of the competitors maybe not quite having the race that they envisioned. Uh, but that's just the way it goes sometimes. And that's the difference between uh, perfect conditions and racing the race and racing, um, you know, on that day in less than ideal conditions. And this is why all these folks race more than once a season and why this is just a building process for all of them towards late June. So let's get into it first with Abe Alvarado. Hello, Abe, and welcome back to the show. What's up? How's it going? Oh, it's going great. I'm excited to chat with you. You were down at the Texas Relays this past weekend. In fact, as soon as we get off the phone, I'm going to be talking to Olivia Baker about her uh, her race down there as well. Um, so I'm excited to chat with you. So last time we spoke was about a month ago. So you were getting into training. You were starting to build up. I know you were excited to really kind of hit that next level uh, in your training before these races. How did that end up working out for you? Um, so it didn't go as planned. Um, I, like I said, I've been doing a lot of strength training and, you know, I've been feeling the best I've ever felt. And so going into this meet, um, I was expecting a PR or just to feel the work I've been putting in, you know, like the the strength, like reassure myself, like, Hey, what I'm doing and how I'm feeling is actually is what I'm feeling. Right. Cause it's like, you don't get to see it until you race, right? Like you can have the best workouts you want, but you got to put it together in a race. Um, and so, yeah, I went and I went into it kind of like told the coaches like, yeah, it's the first one. I don't want to use rust buster as an excuse. You know, I want to go out there and race and run my own race. And so that's, that, that was my focus. That was what I went in, you know, wanting to do. And then there was a delay that ended up being longer than normal. And it kind of threw the race off in the sense of, you know, we waited around too long without doing much movement that my body wasn't warmed up when the gun went off. Um, And so, yeah, it just, (laughs) I ran 148 and, and it felt 
harder than it should have. You know, like I ran 146 before and felt smooth. So I was just like strange. But like I said, I think the waiting around for 50 minutes um, did more harm than I anticipated it to do. All right. So let's talk about the training. You mentioned before that you were been doing some um, some weight training. You've been trying to you know continue to build. What did that training look like over the last three weeks? I guess since the last time we spoke, you know, what what has it meant for you on the track in your weekly running and the weight training? Yeah, the, these past three weeks, I've been um, after we got back from Florida, um, we kind of started doing more um, specific race pace, like longer, harder stuff effort uh, workouts to kind of prepare us for this first race. Um, do you want me to go into detail about what I've done? Oh, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. So we did, um, three sets of five by 300, um, three weeks ago with a hundred jog in between. Okay. So 300 at mile pace, a hundred jog, 300, five times. Um, and then we got five minute rest and then we did it again two more times. So it was three sets. Um, so like I said, you know, I was supposed to be running 43s and with the hundred, the hundred meter jog kind of gets you, you know, towards the end because you're just, it's just like consistently like mile pace, you know, like hundred meters isn't enough to kind of catch your breath and recover. You know, it's meant to, to, you know, simulate, you know, a race in a way, you know, well, yeah, I mean, I, I finished it. I, I ran my pace and, you know, I felt controlled the whole time. And so I was, I was like, wow, like I'm ready to race, you know, like that kind of, I'm like, I'm excited to, to start racing. Um, and then I, I, I did other workouts, you know, with, for 800 meter stuff. Um, and they went well also. Um, I'm a, I'll give you another example. So we did, um, 500 meters at 800 pace so i ran 66 and then we had two minutes rest 300 at 800 pace and i ran 38 um and then we did a 10 minute tempo at five minute pace and then i did a 400 at 800 pace so i came back and ran 51. the tempo was the hardest for me just because you know you kind of go lactic you build up the lactic acid and then you're supposed to go run at two miles in 10 minutes. And so, yeah, like I said, after, after the tempo, I felt terrible and, but I was able to bounce back and, you know, run 51 for 400 meters. Um, and so that, you know, that's a workout I've never done also, but, you know, being able to run a 51 after, you know, feeling terrible, I was like, okay, I'm ready to run an 800. Um, and just, uh, overall, yeah, like the strength, training like I, I started implementing that and I, I started working with my coaches on um, doing a more uh, a lift more catered towards me and my weaknesses um, like stability stuff um, I, I tend to have a weaker left side and this is my side that gets hurt you know the most like the side that I have issues with um, so I've been doing a lot of like stability like core stuff and yeah i mean i've been feeling great it's been paying off like i said i've I've been able to do workouts i haven't done and i just feel like just biomechanics everything has has improved um 
so yeah, it's it's been great. Like I said, it's it kind of sucks going into a meet with you know high expectations and then not getting the result you wanted. But as my coaches told me, like I can't beat myself because you know things didn't like ha- having a fifty minute delay wasn't expected. You know what I mean? Like if I would have known, I would have pushed my warm up fifty minutes. You know what I mean? And I wouldn't have been sitting there waiting for that long so yeah i mean the good thing is i have another race coming up this weekend here in atlanta and there's not going to be a delay like that um so as long as i'm knocking on wood for you right now (laughs) yeah i mean sheesh but so yeah i mean like i said i'm i I was i was disappointed but like the season's just getting started and so like i'm gonna have my chance to actually you know, show my fitness and run to my potential. So, so who is writing your your plans? Like you mentioned, you're doing workouts you've never done before. Who's 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 coaching you through that? Um, so, Coach Andrew Begley, he's um, he's the one that writes my workouts, and his wife Amy Begley is kind of like she's the one kind of like in charge of the guys and times the guys. So. I um yeah I guess Andrew's the one that writes the workouts, but when it comes to administering them, it's Amy. So did either of them go down to Texas with you? Yes, both were there. Okay. So how did that work in terms of just being finally being at a meet again? <laughs> I know everyone's you know in the situation where it's uh kind of an atypical situation, but it seemed like at least from like the duration of time, the amount of people who were there. That from an athlete perspective, the roster and the schedule seem to be fairly typical um, compared to other years. Um, yeah, I mean, it. I think it felt pretty normal. You know, the, the only, uh, I guess, strange thing was the wearing the masks. You know, it's kind of, I'm not used to it because last year we raced, but it was like smaller meets. And so we weren't there. Um, waiting for that long it was just kind of like you raced and you left you know what i mean but i think that's that's just the, one of the things i noticed that was different just kind of like having to wear a mask but other than that i think it it felt normal just because you knew going into this meet that everyone had to you know get covid tested and so i didn't feel at risk or anything like that and you know i, I feel like they did a good job of keeping the athletes away from people that were there just to watch. From a competition perspective, how much attention did you pay to the people you'd be racing against uh, prior to the race? Like either in, you know, building up and even that weekend in terms of trying to identify how you were going to approach the race. Um, so honestly, I didn't put much thought into it. Um, I don't, I don't think I ever do unless it's like a USA final or something, you know, or, a USA meet where it's like, okay, how, how am I going to, what tactics am I going to use? You know what I mean? Um, I think this was just one of those meets where, like I said, it was just like, okay, I'm going to go out there and see what I can do. It wasn't really like, I wasn't scared or anything going into it, but it did feel, it did feel kind of strange. Like, like, cause I, it had been six months, you know, since I braced. And especially going into like a big meet where there's a lot of teams there. Um, but 
I, I feel like in my career, I have enough experience that it's like, once I'm there, it's, it's all the same, you know, like you get in your zone and it's all the same. Like I, I've warmed up many times. I've, I've, you know, the preparation has been the same. Like it's nothing new. Is there a little more juice in the air when you have uh, kind of like that esteemed meet going on? You have all these high-level teams. And we should say people who aren't familiar, the Texas Relays is atypical. Like you have people like yourself who are pros. You also have some of the best college teams in the country who are also competing. So can you just – does the energy just feel different than some of these other smaller meets that you've done recently because of COVID? Yeah, I mean, you know, there was a lot of people there watching. And I mean, obviously, there's a lot of – good college teams there um so yeah in, in a way it did feel more um more than just the time trial <laughs> but um yeah i mean my race I, I was hoping that there was um guys that i that i was more aware of that that i knew that okay this guy's gonna go out there and take it out hard you know what i mean but it was just kind of like i went into it not really knowing what was going to happen and so that was kind of like Made it a little difficult just because like, I was like, okay, I want to run hard. I don't know if I can rely on these guys. So it's just like, I might have to just do it myself. So let's talk about the warm-up. So, so as you mentioned, you've warmed up many hundreds and hundreds of times in your life. So talk us through what your warm-up looked like. Um, and I know, you know, and then we can talk about like what happened after that in terms of when you were told when to be ready by and what you had to do to try to make sure that you were ready, but also not exhausted by the time the race happened. So walk us through that whole process. So I like to get to meet um, an hour before I need to warm up. Okay. So I like to get there, go check in, use the restroom, relax, not feel rushed. So that's what we did. We got there an hour before we needed to warm up, go check in, do my stuff, whatever, get ready. Um, and now we're out. You know, it's okay. Let's go warm up. Um, so we do that. We go warm up, come back. I do strides, feel good. There's a, a runway under the bleachers, like away from the track um, where, you know, you could do put on your spikes and do a long stride. So I did that just because, like I said, I wanted to be nice and loose because it was like getting close to go time. It was like 20 minutes before my race and they needed us there 15 minutes before. So I do that. I put on my spikes, do a stride, feel really good, nice and loose. I'm ready to go. Um, take off my spikes, walk over. We get there and we we kind of hear there's a delay. And so at first they said 15 minutes. Okay, so, you know, you hear 15 minutes, you're like, okay, I can work with this. Um, so I'm just there standing around, you know, moving around. I like to move around, just kind of like bouncing around, jumping around. And then, you know, the 15 minutes goes to 30 minutes. And then it, yeah, it goes to 50 minutes. But it, it, it was just, it just, it was a little frustrating because I feel like, I mean, it's it's a learning experience also because I I need, in college this remind, kind of reminded me of in college I feel like you have teammates that you can gauge off right like if someone's running the hurdles and they're before you 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 know you hear them say oh the meet's backed up twenty minutes so then you plan accordingly and warm up twenty minutes later right so 
kind of we didn't have that because just because all, all, all of my teammates were earning the 800 so we all kind of were on the same boat but yeah like i said i i think um moving forward it was just a learning lesson and i need i the other thing was so after after waiting for like you know 20 30 minutes my coach walks down and i ask her like hey, you've been to big meets. Like, has this ever happened to you? And she said, yes, this happens at Worlds, um, Diamond Leagues all the time. Like, they take you into three different rooms and you wait around for, like, an hour. And and I was like, okay, so what, what did you do to, like, stay loose? She's like, as long as you do two good strides beforehand, you should be fine. So I was like, okay, that made me feel better. Um, So like I said, 50 minutes go by and they finally you know, call the, the women's and the men's invitational 800. And they take us both up at the same time. And, you know, I switch into my spikes. Um, they take the woman out, you know, rush the woman out. They, they're like 400, 500 meters into the race. And, and the guy's like, okay, now you guys can do one stride. And, you know, like I said, at that point, after just kind of like waiting around for 50 minutes, one stride isn't enough. You know, that one stride is going to warm me up for my other stride. And then, you know, I need at least like four or five strides at that point to finally, you know, because you know. in an 800, you know, it's like you want to come through in 50 point. You know, it's, you can't just go into it running at 50 point through 400 and expecting it to feel good if you're not warmed up. And so, like I said, kind of half assed a stride and they're rushing us because, you know, they're delayed and. The gun goes off, and at that point, I'm just kind of like gauging off everyone. And you know, the guys in the front came through in 53 high. I was 54 mid, and it just felt—I don't know—it just felt weird. You know, it just kind of like, yeah. I mean, that's what I blame it on, like just not not being warmed up enough. Right. Then you were also in a situation where it wasn't like they just said 50 minutes right from the start. It was like this escalating. It was like 50. It was like being on the runway. Right. Like we're going to leave in 15 minutes, another 15 minutes, then another 15 minutes. Um, so, all right. So you mentioned it. You, so you went through it the, the first lap, right? So you hit your hit. So you go through um, 53, 54. Um, at that point, you're not feeling quite right yet. You also know what you're capable of doing. And you're certainly in range where like, all right, you should have some juice in the tank to really put in a hard effort coming in and coming through at 54. What did you kind of do next after you finished that first lap? And how did and how did it align with your competition? So, like I said, going into, you know, I got up, I got all good, um, kind of tucked in. I saw the clock and I was like 53, 54. And I was like, okay, this is too slow. And so I, I try to go out, but there's, you know, there's guys behind me that are probably thinking the same. So this Texas guy makes his move and so it kind of blocks me from making my move and so i kind of have to wait around and i'm i'm starting to not panic but i'm just like okay this is slow i need to go and at, at, at the turn after the 400 you know coming into 500 meters i'm i'm trying to make my move and again you know this another athlete kind of like cuts out and then gets around them so it kind of like makes me stumble and well, yeah, I mean, at the back stretch, you know, with 300 to go, that's when I'm like, okay, I got to start going. And sure enough, you know, I positioned myself well. Um, 
And then, you know, with the 100 to go, it seemed like it was just me and and this other athlete fighting it out. And, you know, I'm I'm pulling away. And then this other guy, you know, hawks, <laughs> hawks me and the other guy down. So I end up getting second. Um, and like I said, I, I think that's what was also more frustrating, just, you know, losing at the, at the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just thankful that, I, you know, I get, I'm healthy and I have a lot more opportunities. All right. So let's talk about the opportunities this coming weekend. So you're going to be Atlanta. You're an Atlanta track club guy. Nice to be, nice to have a little home race. Um, what's this event like and what is the field like? So I don't know what, who, who, and what is, you know, who's going to, who's all going to be there. Like I said, I don't like to see the start list. I just show up and race. Um, but talking to my coaches, they said that there, there's going to be a pacer. Um, and so, Honestly, that's all I need. Like, I don't want people in the way. I just, you know, if conditions are great. I, I just want to go out hard and, and run hard. Like, I just, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I want to test my fitness out and, you know, see if I've been lying to myself or if I'm really fit or not. Like, <laughs> well, you would know, right? I would assume that for someone at your level who's spent so much time training and practicing for so long that you can probably make apples to apples comparisons about where you have felt in other workouts and times you have hit. So going into this, into this race, and when people hear this, it'll be like, you know, basically two days before that race starts. What if, if you had your druthers and you could basically pre-program exactly what this pacer is able to do, what kind of time are you looking for them to hit? Honestly, I'd want them to come through in 50 point. And that way I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 50 high or 51 low. And then from there on, I could press and really challenge myself. You know, if they can go more than 400 meters and make it to 600, um, I think it'd be great if, you know, they brought me through in 116 high, 117 low, and then just leave it up to me to, you know, fight through the last 100 meters where it gets hard. Man, well, that's the thing about the 800. I feel like it's always hard because it's at this, this awkward spot between aerobic and anaerobic. Um, and it's really kind of on that threshold for so often. So for you, is there a point in the race where if things were going well and it wasn't, you know, a strategic race where there's some jostling and you're trying to place yourself, if things were just going really well for you and you're really able to dial it in exactly the paces you want to hit, is there a certain point in the race where you feel like, you kind of want your energy to basically get to the, the end point, And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, that last instinctual kick or how do you, from a pacing perspective, judge that last part of like, all right, this is how I can make sure that I'm giving everything I have. And this is the point in the race where it just comes down to guts and I just don't have a well of energy anymore. So I think the, the, the make or break is it's always from 400 to 600, especially if you're, if you're trying to run fast, right? Like I said, if, if I can come through in 50 point, 51 low, and I, I maintain that speed to 600, I feel like seeing that, you know, that 116, 117 with 200 to go will just, you know, carry me through and, you know, I, I could finish, you know, 200 meters, especially with that momentum. Like, so I think, yeah, that's, that's, that's the key, you know, when you're trying to run fast. I feel like from 400 to 600, you just got to keep it going, you know, like, I've seen guys, you know, come through in 48 um, and 
just pressed to 600 and you know the last 100 they look terrible but you know they're, they're run fast just because you know i feel like the momentum carries them so yeah i think that's especially because like i said i think um i you know they, these meets aren't tactical you know like i want to see like if i if i blow up i blow up you know what i mean like right you'd rather you'd rather do that than go out too slow it's good preparation right now like i said like the workouts have shown what fitness I'm in. And so it's just like, I just want to find out myself. So, And just to remind everybody, is there a certain time that you need to hit to qualify for the trials? Um, yes, I think it's 146.5. Okay, gotcha. And you came in around 148 this time. I know like for you, 146.5, you're looking at that. That's just the starting point for you. We are so excited to see what you're going to do this weekend and get you back on here soon to, to talk about it cool abe thank you so much for, for hopping on and good luck this weekend down in atlanta thank you appreciate you hey folks the road to the trials podcast is presented by koros wearables makers of performance gps watches that help athletes train to their best athletes like world record marathoner Elliot Kipchoge and multi-time U.S. champion Emma Coburn trust Coros watches to track their training from long runs to track workouts with their innovative track mode, which I, frankly, I'm just going to input this. I love their track mode. This is one of the reasons I love these watches. You can measure your next track workout to near perfection, whether you've got 400 meter repeats in lane one or a four mile tempo in lane five. You can trust Coros watches to provide the stats that you crave. So show your support for the brand that support this podcast and pick up the Pace 2, the latest GPS watch on the market. Enter code TRIALS at checkout on Coros.com, that's C-O-R-O-S.com, for free accessory with your purchase. You can just pick whichever one you like after you enter the code. So when you use the Coros product, you know you're getting a premium watch designed, tested, and perfected by the athlete and for the athlete. Give Coros a follow on Instagram or on Facebook at Koros Global. Koros, explore perfection. Olivia, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. It's good to be back. I am excited to chat with you. As I was just telling you offline, I just hung up with Abe Alvarado, who, like you, was at the Texas Relays this past weekend. Also, like you, ran the 800 meters. I'm excited to chat with you Um I think a lot of people in your situation have experienced the same thing. These little mini meets, we got the time trials, kind of this um, truncated season that has affected so many. What was it like to not only be back in a kind of a legit, not legit, legitimate's not the right word, but kind of like the more traditional type track meet, but not only that, but one that has so much history and so many, just frankly, people at it, like the Texas Relays compared to what it's been like for you over the last 12 months. It felt so good. Honestly, I I love running and racing is the most fun part of that. And I'm just so happy to be back. Yeah. What was it like just, um, you know, having not only the pros there, which, you know, you, we see quite often and we've seen um, in a lot of different areas, we've seen um, professional meets broadcast in ways that allowed for people to see them without some sort of like really wonky NBC gold connection, which, which which seems like it never quite worked out on my phone. But um, so many people are being able to watch a lot of these races on YouTube and things like that. I know this was on ESPN Plus. Um, and usually you don't see a lot of these races have had the college and the pro together. Did it feel like just there was more juice in the air 
um, compared to some of the other meets that you've been at? Absolutely. Uh, the crowd energy was great. I mean, it wasn't a packed stadium as, you know, we used to have in 2019. But just having people there cheering and yelling, uh, it felt great, especially with the collegians there who were running their races too. And in a way that brought more people to the meet. And uh, yeah, you know, I miss when we had high schoolers there too. You know, I don't watch a ton of high school track, but I always enjoyed getting to see some of the top high schoolers, at least in Texas, come and race at Texas Relays too. So it was too bad that they couldn't be there as well. But it was great having both the college and pros at the same meet uh, for the first time in a while. So as a track fan, how do you juggle being perfectly ready to compete with also just the fandom associated with watching other people run? And But, the, you know, how, how do you juggle all of that and also the combination of like this was tele televised meet, but also like you can be in the stands, but you can be watching because they do have that potential availability there for you. How do you manage that? Yeah, I mean, for me, when I'm at a track meet, it's it's uh, it's about the business. It's about racing. So. Uh, I actually didn't get to see a ton of the races. I know in the warm-up area, they had some TVs on with the races on. And so while I was warming up, I got to see a little bit of it. And that was exciting. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I try to save the fandom and spectating for after my race. And uh, unfortunately, with the 800 being kind of closer to the end of the meet on the last day, it meant that I didn't get to see too much of the action and actually, I was supposed to run the 4 by 4 too, and then our team ended up scratching last minute. But um, with that being the case, I, I didn't get to see a ton of it. But in general, I do really like watching races. I'm really thankful that a lot of these races have been on YouTube lately and more accessible. I really like what Sound Running has done lately with, with that and Sidious Mag, the races that they've put on. I got to shout them out. They've done a really good job organizing that and making it accessible. And ultimately, I think that's just something that's great for the sport. I, I, I think that track is a sport that when you have subscriptions for, for flow track and NBC gold and all of that, it's unfortunate that we just don't have as much exposure. And, and I'm thankful for groups that are giving us that, that type of exposure. Um, I know. I think I saw recently Kyle Merber started a, a magazine too, or an, an email subscription. Yeah, the newsletter. Thing. The lap is it the lap count? I think. Yeah, the lap count newsletter. Yeah. And so I mean, stuff like that that has come from this pandemic, and that people have been doing to get the sport out there is really encouraging, and I, I'm a fan of it. So in our last conversation, it seemed like things were going well for you. You talked about the things that you were focusing on to get ready for the eight. You know, that you know, for, for you, like the 400 maybe maybe came more naturally to you as a runner. You've talked about like how you've done really well in that in the past, but also at the same time, you know, like I was just on the, I was just talking with Dana Giordano before, like she's going back and forth with like, you know, the, the different races she can compete in, whether it's the 15 or the 5K. And you are kind of in this situation as well. Obviously, you can throw the relays in there. Um, that kind of adds another component. So over the last three weeks, how has it gone for you on the track, improving your endurance like you talked about last time, then also in the weight room? Yeah, it's been great. Uh, I, I've had some really consistent training. The weather has held up nicely out here in Texas. It hasn't gotten too hot yet, which is nice. 
lifting has been good. I feel strong. Um, we've been kind of shifting to some more power activities. So some power queens, some push presses, some push jerks, things like that, that have helped me gain some explosiveness and are really building the foundation to move into speedier things on the track. Uh, we haven't quite gotten to a ton of speed work and speed endurance on the track yet, but we're moving in that, we'll be moving in that direction going into April, which I'm excited about. That's really the bread and butter of training for me. Uh, but the strength work is coming along well. And I think that that showed in my race at Texas Relays. Like I, I was really proud of the fact that I was able to negative split. Even though the pace early was a little bit slow, I think that for me, like negative splitting has almost never been a thing that I've been able to achieve. So, I mean, at best, you might get an even split from me, even off of a slow race. So the fact that I could even get a slight negative at Texas Relays was a positive and shows me that my strength work is going in the right direction. So since you're not focusing right now on the speed quite yet, that will come in the, in the next few weeks here. What has your running looked like? Lots of interval training, um, lots of ladders, like 800, 1K, 1200 repeats, um, longer long runs or longer for me, which is in the range of like six miles or so. Uh, lots of cross training to supplement the extra mileage to kind of help keep that mileage up, which has been mostly on the bike, a little bit on the rower, a little bit on the elliptical. And yeah, just, just trying to, to continue to maintain that higher mileage. And again, I, I always find it <laughs> funny to say that because higher mileage for me is like 25 to 30 miles a week. Uh, but just trying to sustain that, that higher mileage and, and whether that means long runs, cross training, uh, longer warm ups. Yeah, I used to only jog two laps, warm up and two laps, cool down. Now I do four laps, warm up and four laps, cool down just to, again, find ways to keep that mileage uh, up over the next few weeks before we start coming down into the sprint work. So do you find yourself itching to go fast since you're kind of seem to be holding back from some of the speedier stuff? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And, and being in a training group with a bunch of sprinters does not help. I see them coming out of blocks and competing with each other. And, you know, I know my time will come, but it has not come yet. And, and I am a little bit jealous of them watching them prepare for their 100s and 200s and, and not being able to do that stuff just yet. So you're still doing your interval work, though, on the track. It's not as if you're doing it on the roads. Yes, on the track. Got it. So when you're doing the intervals in like... You know, you're going into roughly like the 1K range type stuff. What do you wear for shoes? I wear just their New Balance flats. I don't know what specific shoe they are offhand. So are they spikes or are they just are they just flats? Just flats. Yeah, just flats. Okay. All right. So heading into this race. What was the goal and expectation for not only how you would run, but whether or not you were also looking at your competitors and trying to figure out race strategy? Yeah. So kind of went into this race with not too many expectations. You know, it's been a while since I've raced and I kind of just wanted to see where I am. 
uh, from a strategy perspective with the race being with me coming from a strength background right now, I think a lot of people are used to seeing me really blast out in that first 200 and coach and I kind of wanted to see if we could work a model early season where we took that back a little bit. Like I, I usually come through 227, 28 when I'm at my peak. Uh, and we said, because you're coming from a more strength background, let's, let's turn that down. Let's go 29 and see if you can run more evenly today and try to go, you know, 29, 30 for the first two 200s instead of 28, 31 or 27, 31, like I, I might in towards closer to the end of the season. And it was definitely interesting. I think that, like I said, the good takeaways was being able to negative split that run. Um, I think that another takeaway, though, was that in isolation, like in practice, when we ran that model, it works really well. But when you have a bunch of people around you who are also running 28, 29, and you have to deal with the traffic, uh, it's a model that for me worked really well in isolation, but perhaps is not as translatable to a racing situation, which is a good piece of information to have. And, and going forward, we'll work with that, with the model to adjust it in practice and maybe get out a little bit faster next time. So by that, do you mean that you would either prefer to be at the front or that it just got too congested um, with, with the folks kind of just being around you? I think it's a little bit of both. So it was congested definitely with, with people around, but... In, yeah, I I would have preferred to be at the front in in a in a race that's going out at that pace. But again, in isolation that works. But in an actual race, we've come to find that maybe you can't you can't have it both ways. You can't go out slow and then also expect to be at the front of the pack in a race in a race situation. So I'm gonna have to get comfortable with that speedier takeoff on the front end. So is it different when it's, say, an elite race where, you know, obviously you had people in this race who were very, very good. But if you have like, you know, say it's the trials or it's a race like that where you get the top 80 to 90 percent of the people um, in the 800 in one race, do you feel like there's a little bit more predictability with how it might go out and how you might factor into the crowd? Or is that not really the case necessarily? I don't think so. I mean, maybe in a one-off race, like a Diamond League race or something like that, where you have a pacer and people are going to the Diamond League, you know, people watch the Diamond League to see fast times, and so you're expecting a faster race. But in a situation like the trials, I don't think so. I mean, I just think back to 2019, the last time I ran an outdoor race with rounds at USA's, and I remember the first round going out fast and me being in the faster heat uh, that ended up having time qualifiers. And then the second round coming back and being in a heat with a bunch of elite runners and having them all crowd in behind me and watching the pace go slow. So I really don't think that it's very predictable when you're running rounds. 
So in each of those cases, do you find yourself that you would just prefer to set the tone? I don't think so. I think I would just prefer to to find a good rhythm and handle it. I think one of the things that my coach always tells me is pace, not place. So it's more important to hit that first 200 at the pace that you want to hit it at than to run it at the pace, than to run for a specific place. Uh, and so I would prefer to be towards the front. I would, I would say that for sure. But I think that what's more important is being within the range of paces that I want to be at. Got it. All right. So going into this race, and we just spoke with Abe. um, So anyone who's listening to this will have already heard Abe describe the situation that occurred in regards to just, hey, sometimes these things aren't going to hit exactly the time that they say they're going to be, right? The race is at three. Sometimes it doesn't happen at three. um, And that's just the way it goes. So while so you don't have to walk us through the paces of like exactly what happened in terms of the the delay everyone who's listening to this has probably already heard that but you did just like the men have a 50 minute delay you guys were kind of back to back on the schedule what was that like in terms of how what did your warm-up look like and then what did you do in the time between the end of your warm-up and when you actually did race yeah so my warm-up i felt like my warm-up was pretty good i had a strong warm-up I had been told in the warm-up area that they were 15 minutes behind, so I had prepared for the first 15 minutes of delay. Uh, But then when I came over to the clerking area and found out that there were 35 more minutes, there really wasn't much more to do. The clerking area was just a kind of a tent in in a small area on a sidewalk, so not so conducive to getting in more strides or, or anything like that. Uh, for me, it was just kind of jumping in place, doing some jumping jacks, trying to keep my legs from tightening up, just pretty much doing anything but sitting down uh, was was the way that I was trying to, to stay warm. Of course, it was already hot outside, and I would have much rather been in a place where I could get some air conditioning. If I had known that the delay was going to be longer than 15 minutes, I probably would have stayed underneath the bleachers at the football stadium where it was a little bit cooler. Uh, but out there in the sun, they, they really had us cooking like rotisserie chickens out there. <laughs> it was, it was not good. Um, but I think that more so the preparation was mental than more mental than physical. It was just, kind of telling myself, you know, this is a crummy situation, but everyone's out here. We're all dealing with this. You know, no one has the advantage here. And we're just going to make the best of the situation as it is. You know, I still have to get out there and race. I still have to to execute regardless of, of this delay. So in your racing history, were there moments that you could lean on in the past and say, okay, this happened this one other time or these few other times and this is what worked for me physically to make sure that once the the gun goes off that I'm ready to to push it? I'm sure it has happened in the past. I can't think of any one specific instance. But yeah, I mean, just the general experience being a runner. I think every runner 
at this level has gone through an extra delay at some point. So yeah, I mean, having had that experience before in the past definitely helped me be able to stay calm and, and not panic or, or get too taken out of it mentally during that time. And you talked about the, the, the negative split that you had, you come through in 101, uh, I think 101.6. And at that point in the race, did your legs feel the way that you expected them to feel going 101.6 in the first 400? Uh, no. <laughs> I think when you see 101.6 on the clock, uh, mentally I'm saying, oh, it's a slow pace and you expect to feel really good and really fresh. And that just, that just wasn't the case. And quite honestly, it's never the case. Um, I don't think I've ever felt as good as I hope to feel off of a slow, off of a slow pace, just because I mean, even though I'm telling myself it's a slow pace in my mind, 101 still isn't like that slow, you know? Right. It's slow by quarters of a second. Right. It's not, it's not like you went out in 67, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So no, I, I would say it wasn't as easy as I had hoped for it to be, or as I regularly hoped for it to be. It, it never is, but it also wasn't terrible. And I felt good making the move with about 450 to go to take the lead and kind of push the pace. And yeah, I mean, Allie just caught me in those last 10 meters. I thought I had it, but now she closed a little bit faster than I did. Right. So what's that, what's that like for you? So you're, you're, you're leading from, from way out and things are going well and you're pushing hard, you're negative splitting things. So how aware are you in those cases of people potentially being there? Oh, very. Uh, you can tell there are a lot of tells. I mean, one, there's the big screen that's up ahead of the <laughs> that's finish a great line. Point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you, so, so, so that's right in front of you. You can actually go, look up in real time and see what's going on. Yes. It's delayed by about a second or so, which is a little bit trippy. Because you, you look up and you kind of expect to see yourself in real time. And the, the slight delay means that what you're seeing is slightly in the past. So if you see someone coming up on you in the video camera. They're already uh, there. Yes, they're already there. <laughs> uh, objects in the video camera are closer than they appear. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's the video camera. There's also the crowd. Uh, I could, you can hear the crowd crescendo when someone's getting, getting caught. I mean, you hear, especially in a four by four, you hear the whoop, whoop, whoop. Um, in an 800, they don't necessarily whoop you, but you can definitely hear the crescendo in the crowd when, when someone is, is catching another person down the home stretch. And then also just my dad was there and he told me he was, sitting with about 80 meters to go. And he was like, come on, you have to finish this one. Like, go, they're coming. And so I, I knew I was going to have to run all the way through the line and, and that I couldn't, I couldn't relax or anything in that last hundred. So yeah, I, I definitely knew. Yeah. And we should say, Ali, we're talking about is actually Abe Alvarado's girlfriend. The, 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 this was not planned. This was not, not <laughs> like them, this master podcast. We can plan all these things. It is kind of a funny situation though. Um, in that instance, 
and obviously you can't speak for Allie, but you've been in that situation before. You're very similar in terms of your abilities as shown by this race itself, right? You guys were finished right there next to each other. Is it a matter of she's speeding up and you're trying to speed up? Or is it a matter of like who can slow down the least at that point in an 800? I think at that point, it's who's slowing down the least for sure. I know I picked it up with 300 to go, with 200 to go, with 100 to go. And I mean, by 80 to go, I was going as fast as I could. And yeah, just hoping not to slow down, not to get caught. But now Allie timed her kick masterfully and took me out in, in just in time over those last 10 meters. So when you're at the limit, right, you talked about it, you're at 80 meters to go, that's it, right? At that point, there's no more speeding up. It's just hoping we can maintain as close to this as possible. What do you think about in terms of like physically making sure that you're eliminating all the barriers to either continue at that pace or do you have certain cues like keep the cadence up or lengthen the stride or decrease length of stride? Like what, what are the things that you're trying to do to ensure that you're finishing as best as you can? I'm going to my arms. I'm swinging my arms as, as with as good form as I can, you know, chin to pocket, trying to, and trying to pull my elbows in. I know that one of my form flaws is that when I get tired, I have a chance, I have a tendency to let my elbows get a little bit wide and that causes extra rotation in my core and just general inefficiency. So that's one of the things that I'm cueing myself with down the stretch is to pump those arms, bring the elbows in and, and pick up the, the knees rather than shorter stride length. I'm trying to get longer stride length, as much power out of each step as I can coming down the home stretch. So obviously you would prefer to win, but taking that out of the equation, what were busy? What were your, I guess, once, once the emotion of the, the, the race ends, what, what did, what were your major takeaways from the event um, and the preceding weeks of training? So the major takeaways were definitely that I have a pretty good base and that the strength work is, is coming along nicely. And with a, with a few more weeks of that, I think I'll be in a good spot to start working on speed. Uh, so that was one takeaway. I think the second takeaway was strategy. Like I said, I need to get comfortable with getting out faster and even coming from a more strength perspective right now. I need to, I need to be okay with, with getting out hard and just being able to sustain that. So get out faster. And then that finish, like, like I said, uh, with the strength piece, I'm, I'm close, but I'm not there yet. And I just a little bit more, I need just a little bit more to, to close that last 10 meters. And, and then I think, um, I think I'll be uh, a force to be reckoned with in the coming months. I love it. And I can't wait to see it. Congratulations. Also had a little battle in New Jersey there. Allie going to Monmouth, you being from New Jersey. Yeah, the, and the, get the, this. The, the connections are keep coming up. If you want an even deeper connection, my mom and Allie's mom went to the same high school what? at the same time. Yeah. Oh, my they God. Were, I think my mom graduated like two years before her mom or something like that. But yeah. Was this also in New Jersey? Yes, it was also New Jersey. I want to say it was New Brunswick or East Brunswick High School. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That is so crazy. All right. So what's up next from a uh, race perspective? 
Yeah, I'm going to be racing a 400 down at the USATF Sprint Summit in Prairie View on the 3rd. And then I'm going to be racing an 8 again on the 24th. I don't know where it will be yet, but we'll see. I'm hoping to get to Oregon, the new Hayward Field, get a race on that track. So it might be there, might be a smaller meet up at AP Ranch in Dallas, or I might head over to the meet in Atlanta on the 24th. Um, plenty of 800s being run that weekend, so I'm sure I'll, I'll get to at least one of them. But that's the, that's the plan for the rest of April. All right. Well, hey, best of luck to you. This is exciting. Get back into the 400 to get the 800 uh, less than a month later. Um, just for the people, I know we talked about this last time, but it's nice to remind the folks that they don't have it top of mind. What are the times in the four and the eight that you need to qualify for the trials? It is 2.025 in the eight and 51.3 in the 400. Got it. So just outside of it in the last race, uh, but things are looking good. Olivia, thank you so much for coming on the show and best of luck this coming weekend. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. Abe and Olivia, thank you so much for coming on the show. Best of luck to you in April in your races, specifically for Abe. Hey, he's got a race maybe a day, two days after you end up hearing this conversation. Uh, go check them out. There's so much fun to follow. Uh, next week, we will get into it with some of the other folks. So we're going to begin going once or twice a week from here on out. Race season is upon us. And even if some of the people that we're following are injured, we're going to make sure that we follow up with them on the regular. So go subscribe now, rate and review the show. Also, big shout out to Koros. If you are in the market for a GPS watch, I cannot recommend this brand highly enough. I was recommending this brand before they ever sponsored an episode of either the Rambling Runner podcast or the Road to the Trials podcast. I love these watches. I'm wearing mine right now. I wore it on my run this morning. I know you love it. The battery life is unbelievable. And if you are running on tracks, like the people we're following are running on tracks, then you're going to love their track running um, mode because, first of all, it works. And most GPS watches don't work on tracks. And theirs do. So thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. Thank you to my producer, David Margetti, from InPost Media. Also, thank you to Metapi for the music and his song, Evolution.